good to be with you guys. And, uh, you know, we were just uh, in Manresa Beach yesterday, enjoying the sun. And uh, we did a small little you know, catch the wave deal where we just got my buddy Scott, um, who I met in 2005. Uh, we took him out surfing. And, um, and then uh, we got to just play in the sand and, and just have a blast. And uh, um, I'm super stoked you got to talk about family. And, uh, you know, that uh, I have my beautiful family here. My, you know, David is like a little legend already. And he's one. And, uh, and then my beautiful daughter, Brielle, who's a four years old. Um, going on 24. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> pretty amazing. And, um, you know, so it's pretty cool to just be running around as a family and just watching God show up. And we started a ministry in the beginning of 2018 called Catch the Wave. It started from a dream that I had in 2016 where I was standing up paddleboarding Big Sur. And uh, I'm paddleboarding. And in this dream, these two healing angels come down with paddles. They start stirring the waters around me, and I start spinning in a circle, and suddenly the air that I was breathing turned into tangible healing. Wow. And so I start breathing in healing, and then um, this cloud of healing forms over the water, and goes over California, over America, and then over the world. And I hear the audible voice of God speak to me and say, Chad, it's time for you to come out of the closet and tell people you're an intercessor. And so uh, if you've followed my ministry at all, like uh, I really went after healing in like the early 2000s, you know, and in the late 2000s doing crusades with like Benny Hinn and, and running around with Heidi Baker and, you know, going after missions, I was a missionary in Indonesia. My wife and I did a trip around the world for two years. and. Uh, or 18 months uh, from 2008 to 2009. And so I was kind of known as like the nation's guy, the healing guy. And I'd say like in the early 2010s, well, I was doing a lot of like prophetic ministry and doing a lot of evangelism and stuff like that. But I've never really been known as like the intercessor. Mm -hmm. You know, but that, but I was uh, raised by, well, obviously my parents, but all, my grandma was this crazy intercessor. She was a charismatic Catholic, Wow. Uh, wow. She, oh yeah, it's like you know, the, the charismatic Catholic renewals was saved my whole family. Yeah. Wow, uh, in the seventies, wow. and uh, they started in Notre Dame, which I've been to Notre Dame room three hundred two is where it all started. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, pretty epic spot. It's pretty cool to go and read the wells yeah. of different moves of God. And uh, but but my grandma was this, you know, she taught me how to find the spirit when I was four years old. She. She was a mystic. She would wow. tell me about all the saints, you know, in the Catholic Church and all this stuff. And so I was kind of raised, you know, that's kind of a little bit of my heritage. And but I've never really been known as the intercessor guy. But where I go and connect with God the most is out in the water, is out in the ocean. Wow. And the Lord's told me in 2016, hey, I want you to begin to articulate what is intercession to you and that you would begin to invite your like generation and younger that they would begin to connect with me outdoors. That they begin to be aware of my presence, that they would begin to understand that all of creation is groaning in intercession for the revealing of the Son of God. That, right. that I love going to the Seine, I love going to, you know, uh, Azusa now and 
I remember going to the first call in 2000 in DC. Uh, my wife and I, we went, we got heat stroke in 2007 at the call in Nashville, um, which probably about three quarters of those that went to the call in Nashville got heat stroke. But, uh, um, you know, so I love those events, but there's something about getting around 10,000 trees. Like, I love getting around, like, seeing 40,000 people worship Jesus and have a sound, have a song in unison. But there's something about being around 10,000 trees or being in the ocean, understanding that all of creation is in one worship song. And beginning to connect your spirit, your heart to that they're in worship. They're worshiping Jesus. Yeah. And it's beautiful. So, anyways, that's not what I'm preaching on this morning. But, um, but uh, I love that you guys are going after family. And you're, you know, when I think about family, I think about covenant. In order to have covenant, you've got to have two parties, right? Mm-hmm. To be in covenant. Yeah. Whether that be in business, whether that be in marriage, whether that be in friendship, that it takes two parties. And one of the main ingredients or one of the ingredients of covenant is inconvenience. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I thought I knew what love was when I was dating Julia. I thought I knew what love was when I was first married to Julia. But, you know, uh, there's something about getting around people that have been married 40 years. 30 years that they have that love. And now Julie and I will be celebrating 15 years this January. But but there's something about inconvenience. When it's inconvenient that you, you know, re-ante up, that you have skin in the game of, hey, I'm not, I'm not calling it quits, or I'm not, uh, this is really inconvenient, so uh, I don't like this, and we're gonna take the convenience route. Like there's something about covenant there's something about family where we're running together that you weren't meant to have best friends for a season. That's good, man. You weren't meant to share your life with someone, laugh together, share your dreams together, cry together, and to have that four years, seven years, and then something comes in to bring offense, bring hurt, an injustice, a trauma, whatever it may be, that okay, I gotta go find another best friend. Yeah. We're called to have friendships for eternity. So I'm just kind of hitting that, but that's not what I'm preaching on here. But I just thought that would be a good preview. But I'm gonna talk about the spirit of adoption. Because this kind of correlates actually with Catch the Wave and uh, what you guys are establishing here as a community. And this would be the foundation, this would be the building block of your perspective of when you're a son, when you're a daughter, when the spirit of adoption has come into your life and that you have that lens, that you have that grid, that you know that you know is that, you know, peace that surpasses all understanding. That is really when you become a new creation. When Jesus came into my life when I was 14 years old, when I was rebelling against him, rebelling against the church, rebelling against my parents, the whole deal, Jesus walked into my bedroom in the natural and said, Chad, you're either going to be my best friend or I'm going to hand you over to Satan. And I knew that it was a line in the sand for me, that, that the hedge of protection was going to be lifted off of my life. 
And that, that really, it was, a, it was a moment to really choose. Am I going to choose Jesus or not? Oh. And it was in that moment that I said, Jesus, I've always known you're the only way, the truth, and the life. Oh. He came over to me and he hugged me. And the moment he hugged me, all that rebellion, all that addiction, all that different stuff just lifted right off. Oh. And, I, and, I, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was son. Like, there was no one that was going to argue me out of that. There was nobody that was like, hey, I have this peace that surpasses all understanding that I know that I know that I know that he loves me. Amen. Amen. And so when this spirit of adoption, you know, deal is, is uh, I'm going to read from Romans 8 here in a second. But um, it just hit on this whole place of knowing that you're a son, that you're a daughter, that this would be the foundation in which you would live life. Is that you would know that you're loved. That you would know, like, not, not only just sometimes we in the church have been so conditioned of talking about covenant and that Jesus gave his only son so that none should perish. That he like, hey, he's like loves us and he's stuck with us. <laughs> but some of us need the revelation that he likes you. Yeah. Not only does he love you, he actually likes you. Yeah. Right. He likes you right where you're at. Thank you, God. Like, you don't need to perform, you don't need to change, you don't need to adjust a little bit, then he'll like you. Like, no, he actually likes you. He likes hanging out with you. You know that I remember being in the first year of school ministry in 2002 and spending time with God on the floor, and the father says to me, Chad, you know, you know, like you have those crazy encounters where God's like, I'm giving you the nations, or maybe he speaks to you about a certain nation, or like you're going to have a healing anointing, and you're going to out hospitals, all that stuff. I love those kind of encounters, but also I just love the encounters where God just loves on you. Yeah. And there's no other like big assignment, there's no like, you know, here's the scroll, and you got angels assigned to you. No, he actually just... Like likes you. There's not there's not a, a performance thing or okay I'm gonna clock in or this is my you know task for the next year or whatever, this is my assignment. So God says to me on the floor first year, he says, Chad, I want to play catch with you. <laughs> Some of you need to go and play catch with God. And so he looks at me, he picks me up, and he spins me around like he would in the Olympic games where you got the ball and you spin around and you throw that thing that's what he did to me and I begin to spin like he spins me around and then he lets go and I go flying hundreds of yards and then suddenly Jesus catches me and he looks at me and smiles and spins me around and then releases me and throws me in the air and the father catches me and we do this for the next couple of hours wow and this is in 2002, and it still was such a, 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 a incredible moment with the Lord that I still remember. Hallelujah. For hours, we played catch, and I was the ball. So <laughs> 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 he likes you. <laughs> Romans 8. We'll hit this spirit of adoption. Romans 8, verse 14. This is the Passion Translation. Yeah. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Wow. But you have wow. received yeah. the spirit of full acceptance. 
and folding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within, within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. This is the good news of the gospel. This is what Jesus gave his life for. Hey, it's better, it's for your benefit if I leave you so I can send you another, the Holy Spirit, so that you can witness in your spirit and come into agreement that you are a son, that you are a daughter. You know, why does Paul talk about in Romans about the spirit of adoption? Why does he use that kind of verbiage, that kind of language? If anyone has the authority and knows the culture and knows the laws, the systems of the Roman Empire, it was Paul. Yeah. Amen. And you have to understand in Roman law that when you have a son or a daughter naturally, you can disown them. It's legal to disown them. But if you choose to adopt in Roman culture, in Roman law, if you choose to adopt, hey, I'm going to adopt this, this girl. I'm going to adopt this boy. That is now, the moment you made that decision, it is now illegal to ever disown them. Wow. Wow. And that's that strong language yeah. about the spirit of adoption. He has chosen you. You're his son. You're his daughter. Is doing okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. Oh, here we go. So this place of the spirit of adoption, this place of knowing that you're a son, that you're a daughter, and that it's never too late to be a son. It's never too late to be a daughter. I know some of us in this room, maybe we've had bummer childhoods, maybe you had an authority figure hurt you, maybe you were abused as a child, maybe there was verbal abuse, maybe, you know, whatever it may be. And you're dealing with that orphan, you know, place, or dealing with that place of, man, like, I still got a lot of trauma. And what happens is, is the Father begins to heal those places, and then as a place of healing from the Father above, then you begin to find other fathers and mothers in your life. You begin to trust again. You begin to trust him, and then you begin to trust others. But it's this amazing domino effect where there might be, have been hurt, and the Father in heaven begins to heal you, and then you begin to find other people in your community that are like fathers and mothers to you. And it's so important to have that in your life where... It says in Proverbs and Deuteronomy, it talks about, you know, the Ten Commandments. And there's only one commandment out of there that has this promise. That if you honor your father and mother, it gives you long life. Yes. Who here would like to live a long time? Yeah. Okay, so a few of you. That's good. <laughs> I mean, that is a promise. And, that, and, and we don't have to think, okay, I'm restricted, I'm stuck with my, old, my, like my natural mom and dad. Maybe you didn't have a dad growing up. Maybe you didn't have a mom growing up. But that's the great thing is, is you get to have as many fathers and mothers as you want. Wow. And it's never too late. 
and you're never too old to be a son, to be a daughter that that when I'm 80 years old, I want to find people in my life that are carrying wisdom that could be fathers and, and mothers in my life. And it's not an age thing. It's not like, oh, I got to go find fathers and mothers, and so they got to be 20 years, you know, older than me. Because it feels weird if it's 10 years because oh, they're 10 years old. They couldn't, you know, like, no, like that's not, that's not it. That's not spiritual fathers and mothers. That when you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive what? A prophet's wilderness season, right? No. <laughs> no, no you receive the prophet's reward. What that prophet has contended for, stewarded, cultivated for decades, you receive freely through a place of honor. And that word honor is value. That you would place value. And I have people in my life that, that I can see the goal that I that they've cultivated something in their life, whether it be in marriage, whether it be in finances, whether it be, you know, in surfing, like Henry over here. That there's something that I have, like I'm like, okay, hey, there's something that I need that they're carrying. So you can replace prophet with apostle, evangelist, father, mother, that when you receive a father, in the name of a father, you receive that father's reward, what they're carrying. And that when you begin to honor fathers and mothers, it gives you long life. I think it's one of the one of the many missing ingredients to sustainable revival. Because mm -hmm. when we have the honoring of the generation, it gives us long life. It's not going to be just outpourings that last a few years. That when there's that honoring going on, which I don't have time to go into, but there the Lord is really healing the generations. Gosh, just hit that really quick. I had a dream about a year and a half ago where I saw Jesus kneeling down and I saw the backs of three men's heads. So I didn't see their faces. I just saw the back of their heads. But I saw Jesus and he was kneeling down and he had a, a bucket next to him to wash their feet. And I saw him and kind of like motioned for me to come over where he was. And I kneel down next to Jesus and I look up and it's these three men the face of a millennial, Gen Xer, and a baby boomer. And the father looks at me, he opens his mouth, and out of his mouth comes out this rainbow. And I read in the rainbow that, uh, Chad, in the next seven years, I will reveal myself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, Lord. He's healing the generations. He's creating conversations and and building empathy and understanding that we would honor one another. Because it's a real big deal to God. Healing the generations. That in Malachi 4, you know, this is the last book of the Bible. This is the last, well not of the Bible, of the Old Testament. Like every preacher knows you saved your best point for last. Right? Like, like God speaks and then he's silent for like hundreds of years in Malachi. And he says, hey, I'm coming with an outpouring. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Where the father's hearts will be turned towards the children and the children's hearts will be turned towards the fathers. Or I will come and curse the land. Whoa. There's an outpouring of the spirit of adoption. There's an outpouring of the Father's love 
And we, we can't have this horizontal healing unless we begin to get this vertical healing of the Father beginning to heal any places of trauma, any places of wounds, any places of rejection, abandonment. And then suddenly we begin to trust and we begin to build these relationships in our community. But it's never too late to be a son, to be a daughter. I'll never forget uh, being invited to one of my first conferences to speak in 2004, and it was in the Midwest um, of America, and uh, this guy, Bobby Connor, who was a real father in my life, and a real prophetic guy, and I've got the morning session, he's got the night session, and so I'm there the night before, and Bobby Connor like calls out a witch in the back row, and she starts cursing him, and he's like, hey, you better repent for this curses, because it's going to be a boomerang, it's going to come back to you, and she gets thrown against the wall, and she's manifesting, and a lot of fun, and then she gets, <laughs> she gets saved, and then he looks at this guy in a wheelchair and says, you have bone cancer, God's healing you right now. He gets up out of the wheelchair and starts running around. And he goes, and that's the power of God. And the light explodes in the back of the sanctuary. And I'm going, oh my, I've got to follow this up? I was in an hotel room like all night. Like, God, you've got to like, you've got to back me up. Like, i got to like levitate or you've got to like light And it was like three in the morning, and the father comes and says to me, Chad, I have this like open vision of like, you know. And Chad goes, uh, the Lord says, Chad, you have a decision to make. You could go out there tomorrow morning and you could be a preacher. And as a preacher, you're gonna have good messages, you know, that that you might not hit it out of the park every single time. But as a son, you hit a grand slam every time. Come on. Hey. And so hey. hey. your decision's up to you. And I felt like when I was in worship that next morning at the conference, I was like, okay, Father, I choose to be a son. And when you're a son, when you're a daughter, it breaks off all the performance. It breaks off all of the comparison. I mean, there's a little social media deal right there. You how many likes somebody has, how many likes you have. Like, no, it breaks the spirit of adoption, and that stuff just starts, like, coming off of you. Yeah. 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 But you have, to, you have a decision to make. It's a choice. I'm going to choose to be a son. Because you'll always be a, a bad version of someone else. Right? <laughs> so true. You know, that I remember the father telling me a long time ago, Chad, you're my favorite. And the deal is, is the father in heaven has the capacity for every single person on the planet to have this revelation. That when you understand that there never was another Chad Michael Deadman, and there never will be another Chad Michael Deadman, but there's something special in my DNA, the way that God has formed me in my, in my DNA makeup, that there's not another person on the planet that has my DNA. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. And so I have the ability, if I choose to be a son and live in authenticity, I have the ability to touch his heart in a way that no one else could touch his heart. So good. Yeah. And it just breaks off all the performance. Jesus. You know, Jesus, he was baptized. I don't need to go into the scripture, but it's in, you know, Matthew 3. Where Jesus is baptized and he has this amazing, you know, like the heavens open up and the Father in heaven that like created the universe speaks, you know, over Jesus that this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased. This dove manifests out of nowhere and lands on him. I mean, it's a pretty amazing event. And it was before Jesus ever did anything in ministry. But the Father is saying, this is my Son, whom I love, and I am well pleased with. I'm pleased with you before you do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And just think what happens to Jesus. There's, there's two things that the enemy will try to get you to trip you up. What did God say? And then to doubt your identity. Did God listen? that you can't eat from this tree? That's what Satan did with Adam and Got them the question. What did God say? And then you have the last Adam, who is Jesus, where Satan comes to him, hey, if you truly are the Son of God, you know, command this rock to become bread. If you truly are the Son of God, throw yourself from this building and angels will come and protect you. And, and Satan was trying to get him to prove his identity. And Jesus was so secure in his identity that he was like, hey, I don't need to prove myself to you. I'm so, like, he had the ability to speak to that rock and command it to become bread. He had the ability, knowing that angels were going to come and protect him. But he's like, I don't need to play that game. I don't need to perform. I'm so secure in who I am that I don't need to prove anything to you. So you're going to have the enemy do that, and you're going to have a religious system. Right. Because it was the Pharisees that, that came to Jesus when he had just come from a signs and wonders conference of seeing blind people healed, deaf people healed, and, and they said, hey, if you're truly who you say you are, that you've been sent here by the Father in heaven, perform for us a sign and a wonder. He had just come from a signs and wonders conference. He had the ability to do signs and wonders, and what did he tell the Pharisees? I don't need to prove myself. Yeah. Right. So good. I'm so secure in who I am, I don't need to prove myself. Yeah. And I'm telling you, the Lord is going to anoint the church for signs and wonders. He already is. But it's in those times when you will get in the pressure cooker. Like, I'm going to a church, and somebody gets healed out of a wheelchair, and then I share the testimony of the next church, and then someone there is in a wheelchair, and you start praying for them, and people start murmuring, like, oh, he's not getting up out of the wheelchair. I don't know if Chad's really got it. I don't know if, you know, like, maybe what he was saying wasn't the truth. Maybe he was embellishing. Maybe you could feel the pressure of man. 
And you can easily, if you're, if you are swayed by that, you will then begin. Oh, wait a second! I know how to get God to come. Let's sing this worship song, <laughs> which in reality is manipulation. God, I feel really insecure right now. I feel all this pressure, all this judgment, all this stuff coming at me. So God, I know if I scratch your back, you'll scratch my back. Get me out of the situation where that is witchcraft. But if you could just lean in and say, okay, I'm going deeper in my well. I am secure as a son. I know who you are and I know who I am in you. And I'm not swayed by man or the pressure of man. I'm going to choose to worship you. And out of that place you begin to worship. Where it's not out of deliver me or rescue me out of the situation. It's this place of purity of worship. That I love you daddy. That you are the miracle working God. And it comes from that place. Every one of us needs to hear the Father say over us, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love and I'm well pleased. That when I was 18, I was just on this spiritual journey where I wanted more of the Holy Spirit, I wanted more of God. And so I took a bus to Brownsville, to Pensacola, Florida. I took a bus from LA, Greyhound Station, 18 years old, and I moved to Pensacola, Florida. And I was in a little men's prayer meeting. I'd never been slain in the spirit before. I've, uh, I've never done a courtesy fall. Um, <laughs> I go, you think you've been to crazy meetings? I've been to crazy meetings. And when I was 17 and 18, I went to all these crazy charismatic meetings. And this is in the late 90s. So I'm like kind of the height of Toronto and Brownsville and the whole deal. And, and, and I just was like, hey, I want an authentic touch from God. And I know it's available. I, I, you know, I just was hungry. And I ended up moving out to Pensacola, Florida. And so I'm in this little men's prayer meeting. I've got my eyes closed. And I suddenly have this open vision of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. When he's taking that step and that bridge, that's like, you know, the invisible bridge. And he closes his eyes and he just puts his, you know, foot forward. And so I see my spirit man take this step forward in blind faith. And the moment I do that, I get hit with the presence of God in a way that I've never been hit before. And uh, I went flying. And never, I've never been laid out before by God. And uh, no one touched me. I got, like, felt like someone touched me in the stomach. I went flying. I started shaking so hard. My shoes went flying off. My shirt came off. I was shaking on the ground. I was shaking and vibrating. So my friend said I was like a fish out of water being electrocuted, which sounds like an oxymoron. But, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I was shaking so hard from one end of the room to the other. And what was happening was, is I saw, I didn't know this was legal, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, no, this part. I began to see heaven. I didn't know that was legal. I never prayed for that. I thought that was like for Paul and the, uh, you know, the apostles of old, you know, like, I didn't know that you could go to heaven, you know? And so I'm, I'm in heaven and I see the father sitting in the throne room. 
And the Father's on the throne, and he leans towards me. He opens his mouth. I don't hear anything audibly, but out of his mouth comes waves. And it was waves that began to hit my spirit, and it was the deepest revelation of the Father's love that I've ever encountered. Amen. Glory to Lord. Come on. We're talking hours. This lasted for about a good 16-ish hours. Wow. And it wrecked me. It was the deepest revelation of the Father's love. It was this baptism of the Father's love. Where the Father was just saying, I love you. You are my son. I'm pleased with you. It was this place of adoration. This place of, of just letting it go deep into my spirit. Into who I am. That he loves me. And people ask, like, Chad, yeah, you've seen so many like healings and so many different stuff. And I'm like, it's because the Father came to me when I was 18. Mm. Like, the bedrock of everything comes from this place of an encounter with the Father when I had when I was 18 years old. And it's going to look differently for everybody. You don't need a 16-hour encounter. That is, you know, and that what's amazing is it's this continual stewardship of that relationship. You know, that Jesus would go away and be with the Father. And there's only two times, the Mount of Transfiguration, and then this time of Jesus being baptized. And both times the Father says, this is my son, whom I love. Both times. And I'm pleased with them and listen to him. But both times, this is my son, whom I love. So why would they not be consistent to all the other times that Jesus would go and be with the Father, where the Father would say, I know that the Father gave him downloads of revelation, words of knowledge, Philip is under that tree, this whole, you know, all that different stuff. There's a donkey waiting for you, you know, the Last Supper, the whole, like, Jesus would get downloaded or would tell Zacharias, hey, it wasn't the Father's strategy, you know, game plan to stop here, but then his, you know, or Zacchaeus, that, that, that's what I'm thinking of. You know, that, that Jesus would get the downloads from the Father on what to do for the day and what to do in assignments. But first and foremost, that Jesus would go and be with the Father, but the Father would just love on him. You are my favorite. You are my son. And when I, you know, before I speak, before I go surfing, before every, you know, day in the morning, I just let the Father just lavish on me and just say and just hit that again and again that, that that encounter I had from 18 is not good enough today. It's stale old bread if I just let it, if I, if I just live from that place of 18 years old. I'm now being in my late 30s that I need a fresh infilling, a fresh pouring of the Father's love in my life. Jesus. The landing, the plane. Landing here is down. But I'm just going to end with this, is that we're talking a lot about the Jesus People Movement, and there's a lot of heritage in Santa Cruz with the Jesus People Movement. That's right. And we have to understand, you know, Lonnie Frisbee, that this guy saw tens of thousands of people saved. Mm. Tens of thousands of people rocked by the power of the Holy Spirit in multiple continents. And when, you know, he kind of 
went to the vineyard and, and, and said, hey guys, I've, you know, messed up. And he, you know, was going through this time of where they asked him to go off the staff and this whole deal, and he was crushed. And you have to think about Lonnie's background that a lot of us are probably familiar with that was sexually abused as a kid by his babysitter. Uh, you know, he ran with the whole Laguna Beach scene and as a teenager, he gets radically saved on acid in, in Joshua Tree National Forest. Wow. You know, uh, I mean, the guy came out of a pretty crazy background and he was looking for fathers. Chuck Smith and John Wimber felt somewhat rejected at times by some of the fathers of the day. Didn't feel necessarily supported or celebrated. That doesn't make him a victim. But you have to understand that Eddie Bjork is a huge father in my life. Mm. And Eddie Bjork is uh, one of the leading guys of the father's love with Toronto and the whole deal. And, and I was on staff at a vineyard in Southern California where he was the pastor emeritus. So mm. I would go to lunch with Eddie. I'd say, Eddie, tell me Jesus People Movement stories. You know, tell me early days of Calvary at the vineyard. And, and I remember him telling me this one story about Lonnie that I'm going to end with. This was months after Lonnie kind of had a little bit of a mess up with the vineyard. And he came to a Sunday night Anaheim Vineyard meeting. This was about a month or two after the whole thing of him being removed from staff and the whole deal. And Eddie Bjork is preaching, and he's preaching on the Father's love, the spirit of adoption. Similar message what I'm preaching on this morning. And the spirit of adoption just crashes in to the sanctuary. People are crying, people are laughing, people are getting hit with the Father's love. And then he sees Lonnie sitting in a chair, and Eddie makes a straight line towards Lonnie and, and says, Lonnie, I want to pray for you. And, and Lonnie is just going. Now, this is after he's had, he was the face on Time Magazine. This guy was literally the face of the Jesus People movement. And he tells Eddie, is it really true that the Father could love me? So, I mean, he had seen tens of thousands of people saved. God has used him. He was in the centerpiece of so much of crazy God activity. And he is questioning with Eddie, can God really love me? Can I really be a son? Where Eddie was talking about the spirit of adoption, can I really be a son? I messed up too much. And then Eddie goes, of course, Lonnie, you could be a son. Of course the Father loves you and embraces. And Lonnie is just like sobbing heavenly. Heavenly. And heavenly. <laughs> the point is this. That we could have amazing accolades, amazing gifts, amazing stuff. We could have an amazing history with God. But it's this place of our foundation of always knowing that He is our dad. And that we could be a son, we could be a daughter. And that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. So I want to invite you just to close your eyes right now. Lord, I thank you for what you're establishing in this community. Family. And Lord, let the bedrock of our family values be identity. That we would know, that we would know, that we would know that we're a son. That we're a daughter. 
And that we would begin to hear the Father over us in creative ways speak and declare, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love, and I am well pleased. And some of you, you've gone through childhood hurts. You know, it's just you're just receiving there the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I'm going to just release my own testimony that I was in a crazy car accident about a year ago. Meaning, it's a couple of days away from being one year. And it was a month after my car accident where I should have died in my car accident. It was a, it was a month after my car accident. The Holy Spirit came to me and said, Chad, I want to talk to you. And I was 36 at the time. And I'm like, yeah, Father, that's why I'm hanging out with you, like, for you to talk to me. And he goes, no, 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 I don't want to talk to 36-year-old Chad. I want to talk to 6-year-old Chad. And I believe that there's an anointing right now for some of us having childhood stuff that he's healing childhood wounds. And when I, I, the Lord says, I want to talk to 6-year-old Chad. And suddenly I became a 6-year-old boy. And the Holy Spirit leads me into this, what looked like Yosemite you know, the, the valley of Yosemite and this beautiful waterfall and these trees. And then suddenly there was this art easel. And the Holy Spirit says, Chad, it's time to paint. It's time to paint again. Now you need to understand that when I was six years old, I went on a gallery tour with my grandma, who was a professional artist, my mom's mom. And Many of you probably don't know that my mom is the creative arts pastor at Bethel. She is an amazing artist. And my grandma, that charismatic Catholic mystic intercessor, was a professional artist. And I felt so much pressure to do art. And I felt, you know, really criticized. I began to have art teachers growing up in my in, in school, and I and I, uh, all the way up to a freshman year of high school, I took ceramics and I flunked ceramics. I don't know how you flunk ceramics, but I flunked ceramics. And I began to agree with a lie, and I began to self-sabotage the creative sides of who I was. And it was my car accident that was the entry point to me going deep and discovering the, 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 the depths of who I am. The places that I was scared to be vulnerable. And art was one of them. Where I began to take art classes. I began to go to my mom who, you know, go to her art classes and, and just begin to just jump into art and thank God for Joe over here. He would come with me, you know, to art classes. And, and, and it was this place of rediscovery, this place of healing, places where the enemy or, or I had self-sabotaged. And then I started believing a lie. Well, no, I'm like, like late 30s. I can't do art now. It's too late. It's never too late. That is such a lie from the enemy. Come on. Thank you. So I started doing art. I started playing guitar. And I just released over this room for those that feel like they got criticized or they were told, oh, your voice sucks. You can't carry a tube. We break off all those lies. And it's time to do art again. It's time to sing again. It's time to play guitar again. It's not too late. 
we end this morning, I just want to invite you. Yeah, you can turn up the music. If there's something in you that says, man, I want to know more of the Father. I want to know what it looks like to be a son, to be a daughter. I want to hear the Father say over me. Maybe you already heard the Father. Maybe you already had a baptism of the Father's love in the past. But there's something in you that says, oh, there's a wooing. There's an invitation to go deeper in the Father's heart. To know even more today that I'm a son and I'm a daughter. I want to invite you to come forward. And we're just going to pray for you as a team. And again, it's not... Never too late to be a son, to be a daughter. So we're just have the ministry team come on up, the my team come on up. And we're just gonna lay hands on those. Yep, and you can you can kneel, you can do whatever you want to do, you can lay down. But we're just gonna lay hands on you. We're gonna, we're gonna turn up this music. And this is perfect love, cast out fear. So spirit of fear, we just tell you to bow. This is an atmosphere of love. This is an atmosphere of the Father's heart being poured out. And we just say, he's looking down from heaven. He's looking down from heaven. And saying, this is my son, this is my daughter. But you've made my heart so proud. That he's looking down from heaven and he's grabbing angels and he's saying, hey, look down there. That's my daughter. That's my girl. That she has captured my heart. That he has captured my heart. So we just release the spirit adoption in this room. That we would know that we would know that we're sons, that we're daughters. Father, that there just be a healing presence as well. But like there's some people here that are dealing with migraines. Migraines are lifting. Headaches are lifting. Anxiety is lifting. So Lord, just release your healing presence. Come forward, God is healing arthritis in hands.